Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investor. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax, and thank you for joining us. And what a pleasure to be with you today as we visit with a real estate entrepreneur who changed his life by selling everything to go all in. Tim Vitale is the managing partner of Upside Capital based out of Wilmington, North Carolina. He spent 10 years in the corporate finance world and achieved the rank of AVP of finance for a Fortune 500 insurance company prior to leaving his W-2 life to pursue real estate full-time. He specializes in underwriting analysis and budgeting. Tim was born into a real estate family, owns rental properties in Charlotte, North Carolina, and syndicates apartments throughout the southeastern United States. So Tim, take us into the show and share an experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. Hey, Alan, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the invite. You know, I think that one of the most influential decisions in my life that changed who I am today was the decision to leave Connecticut and moved to Wilmington, North Carolina to go away to school. When I came here, and I went to UNC Wilmington for college. And when I took out the $100,000 in student loans, I just knew that I needed to get out of Connecticut. I needed to get away from my family so that I can learn to kind of develop myself as an individual and grow and, and kind of really build that, you know, that sense of reliability in, in myself where I, I didn't need anybody to do anything for me. So I had when I made the decision to go away to school, I had never even been to North Carolina in my life. I hadn't visited this visited this school. I just applied to the school. I got in. I took out the loans. I found an apartment and I met a roommate on, on Craigslist, I think it was at the time. And I just decided to go all in and I just did it. I just moved halfway across the country and you know, chased my dream of getting out of the cold of Connecticut and moving down south and, and I have never looked back. And that really changed the whole trajectory of my life. And when I look back at what I did in order to go full-time in real estate, I tie it back to that same experience that I had of making that decision to leave Connecticut, go both feet in and just get out and, and just take the leap of faith. And obviously everything worked out. And you know most people, they need that sink or swim feeling. And I thrive in that environment of sink or swim of, you know I've started this, I can't stop. And the only way to go is up from here. So, you know, just take the risk and, and bet on yourself because no one else is going to come save you, you know, in your life, you're going to have to make your own way. And by putting yourself in those situations, it's really going to determine your character for your life going forward and really developed your, your characteristics. Well, that's always my advice to students going off to college is to go away and get away from where you've grown up, get away from your family and go out there on your own. I did that as well. And it did make a, a great big, huge difference to me as well. And I don't know, there's just something about giving yourself a clean slate uh, and putting yourself out there where, like you say, you kind of have to sink or swim. I've done that several times in my life and makes a whole lot of difference. Well, Tam, take us into the beginnings of your career here in Wilmington and particularly going into apartment uh, syndication. So just take us through that trajectory. Yeah, so I graduated college in 2012. I followed a girl up to Manhattan in 2013. I started working for that insurance company on Wall Street as an entry-level person. I uh, lived in Manhattan for two years, and then I left Manhattan to move down back to North Carolina because I didn't really didn't like living there. 
Uh, but my boss wouldn't let me quit. So I ended up working remotely for six and a half years from Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, remotely for the company in Wilmington or in Manhattan. Sorry. And then uh, August of last year, you know, the great resignation, as people are, are calling it now, HR said that I had to go back to the office full time. And it didn't really make any sense for me because I worked remotely anyway. So why did I have to go to an office? My boss and my employees and everybody, they were all in Manhattan and I was in Charlotte. So what had set me down the path of quitting my job and going full step full time into real estate really was ultimately because of HR. But, you know, to take it a step backwards before we go there, the reason I I just started to educate myself and really get into the real estate field was when I got promoted to assistant vice president, I got like a 3% raise. I had this assumption because my whole life, you know, you grow, you go to school, your family tells you to go get a good job, work for the man, blah, blah, blah. It was like, well, once you get something with a VP in the title, isn't that when you start to make the the life-changing money, the buku bucks, as they say? And it didn't happen. And I was like, wait a second, there's no way that I'm going to be able to buy you know, a nice boat and a house on the water and live the life that I want to live on a $100,000 a year salary. I mean, the bonuses were great and the benefits were great. Don't get me wrong, but everybody knows those are the corporate, you know, golden handcuffs. So that was early 2019. I started educating myself into real estate, you know, built my business over the three, two and a half years or so during COVID and, you know, acquiring multifamily assets and, and building up cash flow and things like that. And then, you know, then we get to that point where HR said I had to go back to the office full time. And my wife, you know, she was like, I don't want you to go back to the office. And I, I felt like I couldn't go back either. So she was the one that recommended. We said, hey, let's sell the house. We'll live off the equity in the house and we'll move into an apartment in Wilmington back at the beach where we want to be. So here I am. You know, We did that <laughs> September, September 2021 was my last day at my W-2 job. And since then, we've we've closed on about twenty million dollars worth of real estate, and having like another seventeen million dollars under contract right now. So we're growing rapidly, and you know that's kind of how I, I got into the real estate space was basically a corporate HR kind of forced me forced my hand into real estate and, and quitting my job and going full time. Well, that uh, uh, that is uh, an interesting trajectory there. Well, Tim, tell us how it is that I mean, selling the house gave you the equity to uh, to pay your rent and what have you, but that certainly was not uh, sufficient funds to get you into commercial real estate. So, how did you manage to do that? Honestly, building your network. Right. I, it, it's kind of this huge mental block that a lot of people have is that they need to have enough money to go out and buy this property themselves. The first couple of deals that I did, I didn't have any money to write the earnest money check. I didn't have any money to put the down payment down. I didn't have any money to pay the due diligence costs. You know, all of those types of things I didn't have, but I did have an ability. I had the ability to bring value to the group with my underwriting skill set. Right. I come from a corporate finance background. I'm very good at structuring deals and figuring out like, hey, what's what's good underwriting, what's bad underwriting, what's safe, what's conservative, et cetera, and so forth. And I enjoy it. I'm really good at it and I enjoy it. And not everybody is, right? So that's a value that I brought to the table to the group of individuals on the syndication team. And then as I grew and you know, I got more, you know, income, more cash flow acquisition fees and things like that. I've been able to, you know, put the earnest money check down and pay for the earnest money or pay for the due diligence costs and things like that. But what I'm getting at is that I built my network because I could find a good deal. I could underwrite the deal or I had somebody in my network that found a deal and didn't know how to underwrite it and I would underwrite it. And then we just went out to my network and said, hey, here's what I'm looking for. 
and here's an opportunity to get into a deal. I have a good deal. We're putting it under contract, but I need somebody to write the earnest money check, help me raise the money to close on the deal. And I need somebody to sign on the loan for me because I didn't have any of that when I first got started. And it was really a good exercise uh, on my own mental being of learning how to exercise the muscle of using other people's time, money, and experience in order to benefit myself. And how do you do that? You've got to give up equity. You have to give up something in order to get something in return. But it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Like if you have the deal and somebody else has everything else that you need, great. Or maybe you have one thing that this person needs where you can plug in and help that person out. There's two books that changed my life. It's Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Those two books changed the the mental mindset that I had around growing up and everything school taught me and and how I needed to operate and do everything myself. It's you know if you're implementing the principles of who not how you're bringing in different individuals on each different deal in order to make a successful partnership so that you can come together and and operate a deal and provide investment opportunities for your investors and you know make a good return for yourself because at the end of the day you're providing a service to your clients and your clients are your investors right you're a financial advisor providing returns on people's money and your vehicle is real estate right the the, the medium that you're using is real estate and when you start changing your mindset and the way that you're looking at things, it really opens up a lot of doors. Because as soon as you can make that aha moment of, I know how to underwrite this deal now, and I know how to raise money from investors, and I know all of these different types of things, I can put together a whole deal and I don't have to use any of my own money. I didn't sign on the loan. I didn't write the earnest money check. I didn't put my own money into the deal. You know, I met people that could provide something for that deal specifically by reaching out to my network and being able to put together the team. So it sounds to me like step number one was building your network. And then I'm assuming that step number two was finding the property. And step number three was then applying your skills and ability in underwriting to provide a value to that process. There. So take us through what did you do to develop and to build that network? So when I was working my W-2 job, I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I would read, right? Because I was the assistant VP of finance. So I had a very stressful, mentally tasking day job. And I'm a very extroverted person. So I would have to do my educational stuff in the morning. Like I wanted to learn how to do something I read in the morning. Then I'd work from eight to six or eight to seven. And then I'd go and I'd do networking events and I'd talk to people and do, you know, extracurricular activities around real estate. But essentially I was working 5 a.m. till 9 or 10 p.m. every single day for two and a half years. And that really enabled me to build my network and educate myself. And you just have to be consistent, right? You know, all those images of, you know, entrepreneurship and everyone thinks it's, you know, super easy and it's a straight line, but it's actually like a squiggly one and it's all over the place. Or the one that I like the best is like the staircase. The first step is like so big that you can barely reach it. But if you find a way to get to that first step, you know, the law of the first deal, as Michael Blank likes to say, it's, it's so true. It's once you do the first deal, you're on the other side of the fence now. Like you, you've done something most people will never be able to do or understand in their lives. And you have a skill that not everybody has. I mean, there's a lot of people doing what I do, right? Because there's a lot of opportunity out there. I live a life of abundance. But most people quit before they find success because they want it easily. They want the shortcuts. They want you know things to happen quickly for them. And really, at the end of the day, it's a relationship business. It's a network business. It's, it's knowing 
the people that have deals and that have money and that have the net worth and liquidity to sign on your loans and being somebody that people like genuinely like, right? Like, you know, if it's a relationship business, people aren't going to do business with you if they don't like you, right? Like you have to be sociable, you have to be likable, you have to be trustworthy, you have to be honest, you have to have integrity. And all of those traits are not hard or not difficult. They are what everyone should aspire to be in their life. They should have those skill sets and those traits just to be a good human being. And if you are a good human being and you build a lot of great relationships with people, then you'll be able to do whatever you want in life. It's just leveraging those networks and that relationship capital in order to achieve whatever your your minds is, uh, whatever your whatever your goals are. Yeah, I like that illustration of that first step being an enormous, enormous step. And it may not be something you can just step up, up on. You may have to get a ladder. You may have to learn how to rock climb. You may have to learn various different skills to, to get to that first step. And that's the way it is. So, uh, I mean, with so many, many, many things in life, that education, that practice, that development always has to come first before the success comes and that's the reason so many people never do it. It's difficult to look down the road and say, uh, see those things that are so far down the future oftentimes. Well, how did you find the properties? Honestly, I didn't. <laughs> I've never found a property, really. Oh, really? Um, okay. I, I, I built my network up, right? I mm -hmm. established myself as somebody that people can trust to come to for underwriting. Uh -huh. And I also built up my network so strong that people would come to me with a deal and they'd say, hey, I think I have a deal, but I really want you to look it over and tell me it is a good deal. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now who gets the first look at these deals? I do. So people are bringing deals to me. They it, like It is the best leverage of my time is I spend a lot of time networking with people. And those people that are networking go out and build relationships with brokers for months and months and months and months. I only have to spend 30 minutes with them on the phone to review their deal, tell them if it's a good deal or not. And if it is, who do you think has the first shot to say, hey, I can write the earnest money check for you. And I know a couple of guys that'll sign on the loan and hey, we can raise like 90% of the capital and we can do X, what I make it easy. I make people's lives easy because I can provide a lot of different resources through the network that I've built. And really, I just look at myself as a connector now. So mm -hmm. people come to me with a deal because they want the, the verification and the validity that it is a good deal because they trust me. And then because my network, I'm able to help perform and close on the deal. So I have a lot of different partners and different deals because it's just whoever brings a deal or, or you know however the situation that ends up working out. But that's why people ask, they're like, how do you find good deals? I'm like, I don't. I attract them. And then how do you find investors? I don't. I attract them. And you just put out good content. You you become trustworthy. You know, provide value to the community with no expectation of return. I'd provided value for years and years with no expectation of return. Volunteered my time for months and months and months and months at a time, underwriting and learning and, and providing value to people. And then the law of reciprocity came full circle. And people are like, you know what, Tim, you helped me out for so long and you literally asked for nothing in return. I want to help you out getting into your first deal. And when you, know, when you had said that you love the analogy of the first step, it's you know, if you're using the principles of who, not how, you're not figuring out how you can get to that first step. You're finding out who can bring you to that first step. And by providing value to people, I found a who that brought me to that first step that got me into my first deal. And then from that first deal, it's just you know exploded like fireworks because I've built up the network and the education and um, you know the, the um, you know just everything that goes along with my building a syndication team. Well, Tim, tell us about the the details of that first deal. So the first deal was a 91 unit apartment complex, and I was brought into the deal because uh, the my mentors at the time 
they were growing and expanding so much that they they needed help. And they're like, we couldn't think of anybody else that we'd want to have in our lives, in our team. You've provided so much value to us over the years, and you've literally asked for nothing in return. You show up all the time. You raise your hand and offer to do things left and right, and you won't take any money for anything and you just are just a good person. And you know, so they called me on my birthday, actually, and they were like, hey, man, we're going to bring you into this deal. We're going to give you 8% of the deal. Uh, we want you to run the asset management, you know, do the property management phone calls and like go down and visit the property every couple months and those types of things, right? So they, they were using my time because I had time. Uh, or where I, I would make time, actually, I, I would make time in order to go do that, you know, manage that property for a respective piece of the deal. And, you know, that's how I got into my first deal. And, and, you know, people ask, you know, how do I get in my first deal? Find some way to provide value to somebody, find something that somebody that you look up to is looking for that they don't know that they need. And I know it's so hard. It's so cliche that everybody says that. But at the end of the day, you really have to know what your skill sets are and what your value is and go build a huge network of people because I can guarantee you that if you build a huge network of people, you will find people that need your skill sets. You will find people that have traits that you don't like to like the things that you don't like to do. Somebody will have those and the things that they don't like to do, you will have those. Uh, so, you know, I know that you recently interviewed my main business partner, Tim Vest, recently. And, you know, we're very good puzzle pieces together because he's really good at things that I don't like doing. And I'm really good at things that he doesn't like doing. And it just became a mutual beneficial relationship. And we do all of our deals together now because we just enjoy working with each other and we have complementary skill sets. I wonder, Tim, if two and a half years ago, when you actually started building your business, if you go, if you knew, oh yeah, my skill set in this is going to be, my value add to this is going to be underwriting. Did you really have a clear picture of that two and a half years I didn't. ago? And nobody really does when you're first getting started, right? You, when you're first getting started, you're drinking from a fire hose. You're learning how to underwrite. You're learning how to network. You're learning how to raise money from investors. You're learning how to pick a market that you want to specialize in. You're trying to do everything under the sun. And one of the mistakes that I made was I never paid for a mentor. And now I probably could have gotten into the industry faster if I paid for mentorship and had like clear guidance in that role. But I didn't. I just, I don't know. I just didn't do it that way. It wasn't meant for me. But when I first got started, I knew that I was good at underwriting deals, right? I mean, the reason I got into commercial over single families, because I bought one single family house, I got burned on the appraisal. But on the appraisal, it said the income-based approach versus the comp-based. And being residential, did comps. And I asked the mortgage loan officer, how do I get into this one? Because this makes sense to me, right? It makes sense to me that a business is valued off of how much income it makes. And he told me it's only units five and up, like commercial assets. So I read David Lindell's Multifamily Millions book in early 2020. And that was the catalyst to my career of like, wow, this is where I'm supposed to be. I come from a corporate finance background, income statements, balance sheets, expenses, income, all that kind of stuff. And I understand this. This makes sense to me. And it's scalable at the same time. So you know, naturally, it just kind of progressed into that atmosphere of, oh, well, I'm good at math. I'm good at numbers. They make sense to me. Don't really talk to me about a business plan because it's hard for me to put together if that's going to be a good deal or not. 
send me the T12 and the rent roll and I'll put it into a calculator and I'll understand if it's a good deal or not from the numbers. Well, you said you didn't pay for a mentor or a coach. And I wonder if your mentor or your coach would even have known two and a half years ago that this is the direction that you really need to go to get into it. Uh, Who knows? Hard to tell what would have happened with that. Well, so what are your biggest lessons learned from learning to leverage uh, other people's money from both the general partner side and the limited partner side? One of the biggest lessons that I learned from leveraging other people, the biggest lesson that I learned is that money is abundant. Deals are abundant. Everything, everything is abundant. And when you have that outlook on life and you have that outlook on your business and you're not greedy, right? If you're willing to give up something in order to get something in return and make it a mutually beneficial relationship, then you're going to have a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Like personally, I never want to own 100% of a deal because I don't have to, right? I can provide opportunity to other people and help them achieve their financial goals by investing their money for them. And I don't have to use any of my own money, right? So like if I did a 50-50 partnership with somebody, they're the money partner and I have everything else. Now I own 50% of a deal and I've done, you know, I've used none of my own money. So it's, it's completely scalable, And people think that if I don't have any of my own money into the deal, then I don't have anything to lose. And that's completely wrong. I have something that's way more important than their money that I could lose, my reputation. My social media reputation, if that's gone, my business is gone entirely, right? So I really struggle with the fact that people are like, oh, well, you need to have some of your own money into the deal. No, I don't. Who's signing on the loan? If this deal goes sour, who are they going to come after in order to make the bank whole again? They're going to come after me. Right. And if it weren't for me to have the opportunity and build up the relationships and network and the know how and the systems and the processes in order to buy this property, operate it efficiently, provide a return for you, and get out of the property, returning all of your original capital plus a return, you wouldn't have an opportunity to make money. So why should I have my own money into the deal when I have my my whole, you know, everything, my my life, my reputation, my balance sheet, you know, my house, everything is on the line here in order to provide a return for you. Isn't that enough to risk? And when you start asking those questions to investors and to other partners, they're like, oh, actually, you're right. You do have a lot to lose, even though you don't have money into the deal. Absolutely. An excellent, excellent way to look at that. And Tim, not only do you have your reputation to to lose, but certainly you've got time and effort into this. And <laughs> that is hey, a that valuable too. resource as well. I, you know, I didn't even consider the time and effort part of it, but you're absolutely right. I mean, time is the most valuable asset. You'll never get it back ever. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. if I, I spend months and months and years on building relationships with people in order to get investment opportunities for my investors, like that, that's valuable in itself. Certainly is. Uh, Tim, tell us how we can get in touch with you and uh, take advantage of your wisdom and expertise. Yeah. So the best way, if you're looking to learn more about real estate or you just want to kind of connect with me and, and kind of understand my mindset and how I got started and how I'm growing and, and all of those types of things, if those interest you, best way just to join my Facebook group called Making Moves the real estate community. So we do weekly Facebook lives in there and we interview different people. It's a Facebook live though. So it's interactive. We like to do it that way so that people can ask questions to the industry experts. They can ask me questions. So every Tuesday at 10, me and Tim Vest, we go live. We talk about different aspects. We talk about financing and property management and raising money and We'll bring industry experts in and things like that. So yeah, so the Facebook group's a really great place. Or you can go to my website, 
www.upsidecapitalgroup.com. Uh, there's a link in there if you want to join my investor portal to see what kind of investment opportunities we have. Some are 506B for non-accredited, some are 506C for accredited investors. And there's also a link in there for my Calendly if you want to schedule a call and, and just build a relationship and you know just, just talk to me one-on-one. So that's 10 o'clock Eastern Standard? Yes. Okay. Well, Tim, it has been a delight having you today. Wonderful conversation. Thanks for being with us today. And Enlightened Investors, it was great to be with you again today as well. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.